Well, Happy New Year. I uh, wasn't here last Sunday to uh, be able to tell you that, so um, I hope all of you had a, a wonderful Christmas season and a, a happy New Year. And uh, as most of you have probably heard, it was a difficult one for, for my family. Uh, my mother passed away on uh, December 27th to her heavenly home. And um, she had had several years of health challenges, and we were actually going down there on the 27th when she passed away. Um, we received the call when we were in Missouri or Oklahoma, somewhere along the way. And so I was able to speak to her the day before on the phone, and she nodded her head to my sister that she heard what I was saying. So um, even though we weren't able to make it, uh, I was able to speak to her, and I, I cherish that. And I do want to say that it was a blessing during the sabbatical to have a month with my parents down there in Carlsbad, New Mexico. Um, you know, as you look back now, you just think it was probably a God thing that I had that month, being that I lived so many years, you know, far apart from them or not in New Mexico. And so want to thank all of you for your thoughts, prayers, love that you've sent out to us and our family. And uh, we arrived back here on Monday uh, of this past week. So thank you very much for your thoughts and your prayers. Let's turn together this morning to the fourth chapter of Joshua. You probably noticed the message title this morning is the same for the title that Rhonda and I used for uh, our 13-week devotional that she just talked about during the children's time. And, uh, of course, as mentioned, it's in your boxes this morning. She said some about that during the uh, children's time, so I'm not going to go into a whole lot on that. But it was a part of the sabbatical project that we worked on while we were away this summer. And so, uh, in the introduction, we talk a, lot, a little about this Joshua 4 passage and how the Israelites had finally made it to the promised land of Canaan after wandering around there in the desert for 40 uh, years. And uh, so they come to the Jordan River and they are going to go through and enter into Canaan through the Jordan. And this is what happened next. Joshua 4 verses 1 through 9. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel Forever, So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to their camp 
where they put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan on the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And there they are to this day. How many of you uh, like to watch the Antiques Roadshow on, on PBS? It's a, popular, it's a popular thing for many to watch. It's been popular for some, quite a few years now. And I think that's because people are really interested in uh, old things that people find and they you know, want to know how much it's worth. Um, and I think because of the popularity of that show, there's been a lot of spinoffs on other channels, uh, programs like Bargain Hunt and uh, Cash in the Attic and uh, American Pickers is a, is a popular one. But it's interesting sometimes why people hang on to, to certain things and pass those things on from one generation to another. I understand that well, because when I was in New Mexico recently, we went with my parents, we went through their home, and we were getting ready for them to sell their house, and they were going to move in with my sister and her family. And so now that my mom has passed, it was, it was such a blessing, as I said, to have that time and to go through those things and to be together uh, with them. Some things, of course, get passed on from generation to to generation, but that's not always the case because sometimes on the Antiques Roadshow, if you watch it, you will know people bring items to find out how much they're worth, and sometimes they don't even know, you know, if there's a story or anything significant about it. They just found it sitting in their attic or, or maybe in their basement and dusted it off and brought it in to see what it's worth. But then there are some times that... Um, People know the story behind what they want, what they bring in. And of course, those are always a lot more interesting when, when you know the story and, and there's a story attached to it. Um, sometimes, of course, you can go to thrift shops and you can come home with a treasure that you didn't know was worth uh, a whole lot. So um, go out to the Arthur MCC thrift shop and look for a treasure. You don't know what it might be worth. <laughs> You can take it to the Antique Roadshow and see if it's worth something. But it makes you think, why are antiques worth so much? Things that sometimes look rusty and and old and so on. Well, it's because a lot of times they will remind us of special people, maybe a special event or meaningful thing, a meaningful thing that happened in our lives or in the lives of those who are gone, uh, who have gone before us. I saw recently that the the record-setting home run ball that Aaron Judge hit this past season sold for 1.5 million dollars on December 17th, just uh, this past December. Now that sounds like a lot of money that he was offered for that that ball. But he was, off, he was actually offered $3 million for that ball before he took it to auction. And he turned that $3 million down. So I guess, I guess that was a bad decision on, on his part. But sometimes those, those keepsakes, sometimes those memorials are small little things. And other times they can, be, they can be very large. But as I said, the importance of them a lot of times 
is in the story behind it, the example behind it, or maybe the, the inspiration that we get from them. And so when the Israelites crossed the Jordan River, it was a momentous occasion for sure. For 40 years, you know, they had been on this journey from slavery in Egypt to this promised land in Canaan. And that, that journey is covered in the books of uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy in, in the Old Testament. And I would encourage you to read that again sometime if it's been a while. And uh, just to appreciate what is happening there in that story to lead us to the, the first book or the first chapter, uh, first chapters of Joshua. During that time that they were on that journey, an entire generation had passed away. Even Moses, who had led them at the start of that journey, uh, had passed away, had passed on before they actually crossed the Jordan uh, in Joshua 4 and 3, 3 and 4. And so, of course, Joshua, after Moses, he becomes their leader. And as we see in the passage, he says, Choose twelve men from the twelve tribes of Israel. Go and take twelve stones, or rocks, from the middle of the Jordan and carry them over to the other side with you. And after that, they were told to build this memorial with those twelve stones. In verse 6 of chapter 4, it says that those rocks were going to serve as a sign among you. It says, in the future, when your children ask, what do these stones mean anyway? You are to tell them that the flow of the Jordan River was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant and the people of the Lord crossed over into the promised land of Canaan. And it says that these stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. You see, they were more than just rocks because they served as a memory of how God had demonstrated His power, His deliverance, His hope for their future. That's what those rocks represented. And you know, if you look at the end of chapter 4, you see that the meaning of these rocks or stones is talked about once again. And this time in verse 24, we didn't actually read that far to verse 24, but it says, He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Of course, fear there means have reverence towards God. It makes you wonder if one of those rocks were uncovered by archaeologists, what it might be worth today. Obviously, those kind of physical memorials, uh, they don't last forever, especially thousands and thousands of years. But thankfully, this story is preserved for us in God's Word because... It encourages us to consider what we are doing today in our lives to celebrate, remember, and to pass on demonstrations of God's power, of God's deliverance, and God's hope in our lives today. Parents and grandparents, this is so very important. 
There are many things that we can teach our children and that we can pass on to our grandchildren, but nothing is more important than our faith and our testimony. And the stories of how important Jesus is in our life and, and what God has done for us in life. That's worth far more than any object or money or antique treasure that you might pass along to them. Of course, you can't make decisions for them as they get older and they they become adults, but you can let them know about the importance of your faith in Jesus, in the, the importance of the church community, and the eternal over the temporal things of, of this earth and this world. And so as we, you know, as we begin a new year, that should be one of our goals. As Rhonda mentioned, it's already a part of our, our church vision to nurture the future church. And so let's ask ourselves this question as we begin a new year. What are we doing to pass on the demonstration of God's power, deliverance, and hope in our lives today? If we never talk about them or have things around that cause us to talk about them, how is the next generation going to know about the wonderful things that God has done in our lives? It doesn't have to be something expensive or, or huge, but something that allows us to share it with others and talk about it. And so that, you know, that was the idea behind this devotional book that we worked on uh, this summer. As Rhonda said, you know, you're encouraged to take an object out and to talk about it with your children and your family. And if you uh, are a single person, perhaps you put that object out and somebody comes over to visit and they're like, okay, what's that doing <laughs> sitting there on your counter? There you go. You have an opportunity to talk about it and to share with them uh, about it. But that's why God had the Israelites build this memorial in Joshua 4. Because in verse 6 it says, when people ask you, what do these stones mean? You can tell them. And you can talk with them about it. I don't know how observant you are as you come into the church each week. But how many of you notice the 11 rocks that are sitting out there in the corner by the north door as you come in each week? You notice those? I mean, they kind of, they've been there a long time, so... They, in fact, they've been there for the past 20 years. And it's surprising that there's still 11 of them there, but they're all, they're all still there. They were uh, there when Gary Martin was interim pastor here, and he led the church through a, a lesson on building on the rock. Some of you might remember that book cover there and that graphic that was a part of that book. These are what those 11 rocks stood for. You can't quite see, and I'm not going to take time to go through it this morning. But there was a meaning behind those 11 rocks. And some of our church family, maybe even some of you still here this morning, actually brought one of those rocks and put it out there 20 years ago. It signifies, they signify, an important 
time of transition and hope for this congregation. A time in which God was there for us and God saw us through a very difficult time. We've talked for years about doing something with those rocks. And I think maybe we finally come up with uh, a way to use them and build them into something similar to what we read about here in Joshua 4. If some of you have visited the Ark Encounter over in Kentucky, uh, you might have seen this display, which is outside of the large Ark. It's an example of this memorial that the Israelites built. And uh, we have been talking with the very creative Larry Yoder of our church family. We've been talking with him about building something similar to this that could be placed out here in, nor in uh, the north of our uh, doors uh, as you come in each Sunday. And we're hoping that, you know, it can be somewhat similar to this with maybe a water fountain involved with water coming out of the top and flowing down the 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 rocks and those 11 rocks that are out there we are hoping to be able to use those and we're gonna have to add a few to that but we are hoping to use those to go around the base uh, to serve as a, a place for the water to to collect at the bottom since most of those rocks aren't very good for stacking you if you take a notice of them as you leave today they're they're not very good for stacking so we're hoping to have something out there by maybe late spring or, or this summer. But this, you see, this memorial would be something that reminds us of God's faithfulness in Scripture, as well as God's faithfulness in this church and in each of our lives here together. We'll see it each time that we come to worship the Lord, and it will be a reminder for us. You'll probably be hearing more uh, about that in the months to come. Larry's in Florida, but he's, he's working on it diligently while he was, he's down there in the warm, uh, the warm uh, sunshine of Florida. But another important part of this is what we do to tell the next generations about God's faithfulness. So let's look at what it says here at the end of chapter 4. Verses 19 through 24, it says, On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan, and they camped at Gilgal, on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones that they had taken out of the Jordan. And he said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, What do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea. Of course, before that, when he dried it up before we crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. And so that you might always fear the Lord your God. You see, we don't want our faith, our church, and our stories to be something that people observe like when you go to a museum. It's nice to have museums. It's nice to have, you know, some sort of memorial or place to remember those things. But it is even 
more important for people and children to see these things lived out and lived out as a part of our daily lives. Author Walford Ferrer says this, he says, Jesus wants the church to be a living, breathing example of his life and ministry on the earth. As I said, museums are nice to visit and interesting, but when somebody personally tells you their story and, and what has happened in their life and what God has done in their life, it has so, so much more of an impact. And not only, not only that, but it allows the person hearing the story to ask questions and continue the conversation. This past summer, when we were on sabbatical, Ron and I went to a lot of museums and stuff. And it's nice to see it. You read about it. You can't ask questions, you know, of, of if you want to know more. And so that's so important for us to have those conversations with each other, but also with our children and with the next generation. I imagine some of the stories that are probably attached to some of those things that are brought in on the, the antique roadshow. And, uh, and yet, like I said, a lot of times people don't even know the story that goes, goes with the piece. It's hard to know how long this memorial that we read about in Joshua 4 stood at Gilgal. But I guarantee you it was talked about for a long time. And the people remembered what significance it had in their lives. Of course, Jesus introduced in the Gospels, introduced us to the remembrance of communion with his disciples. And he did that for, for that very reason. Because, you know, when we take the bread and we, we take the cup of communion, we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And so, you know, hopefully our children know what we are doing uh, when we share communion. Maybe that's a time that we can have conversations with them about what it means. Just as those rocks were more than rocks, the bread and the cup that we share during communion, they have a significant meaning for our faith and our life. Our Bibles... Of course, the Word of God, which is now becoming more digital all of the time, has significant meaning for our lives. What's going to happen someday if the written Word is only on our tablets or our smartphones? The impact's not going to change, of course. The Word of God is, is the Word of God. But how will that affect the way that we share it with future generations? I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but, you know, most of us probably have a Bible, printed Bible, that has been passed down to us and is very meaningful to us. Maybe you have it sitting on a shelf at home or, or someplace, or maybe you are still using it today. How will that get passed down in the future? I mean, as I said, you know, the power and the message of the Word of God is never going to change, no matter how we read it. But those words that change us and transform us, they must be shared. 
they must be talked about in our homes, and those stories of faith, they must be told. That handwritten Bible that we have out in the back foyer here is a, wonderf- is a, a wonderful example of that. Many people in uh, our church uh, took part in writing that, handwriting the whole Bible. Many people, when they come here to visit for visitations or other things, they will notice that Bible there, and they are very intrigued and, and interested in that. The nice plaque we have over in the fellowship hall, which lists the 12 scriptures we went through as a congregation, deciding what, what are our 12 most important scriptures in the word of God. We have that over there to remind us of, of those. Those are nice, and yes, they are important things to have and to have done, but they're really only the beginning of our witness for Christ. Jesus said that we are to be a city on a hill, that we are to be a light on the stand, that we are to be a visible community that demonstrates the wonders of God and the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. And so these 12 stones in this story of Joshua Uh, they represented much more than just rocks that were taken from the bottom of the Jordan River. In other words, I hope that that Bible that is sitting on our shelf represents more than just words on paper with a nice bounded cover. I hope that Bible app on our phones is getting used as often as all the other apps on our phones. I was talking with Clara Wood this past week, and she mentioned that she read through the entire Bible last year, and she wants to do it again this year. I asked her if I could share that this morning, because I think it's an encouragement, a goal maybe for us to set. And if you don't want to start there, I mean, that's a that's a lot of reading each day. It, it really doesn't take more than a half hour each day to do it. But um, find some way to get into God's word, to make it a part of your life, to make it important to you. And, and I, I hope that we are teaching our children and our grandchildren these things. Yes, it's fun to teach them how to fish and how to fix a car and how to change a tire and, and how to cook And many other things that we teach them. But I hope most of all that we are teaching our children and our grandchildren about God, about Jesus, and about our faith and hope. And the promise of eternal life in heaven for those who believe. That one was especially important for me this past week. When thinking of my mom. And I mentioned. Um, I mentioned when I. At the funeral. I, I, I didn't officiate. Their pastor officiated. But my sisters and I each went up and shared. Um, during the funeral service. Some of our thoughts and memories. And the one thing that I shared. <clears throat> and I think I've shared it here before. Was that. When we were growing up. If the church doors were open. If the church had something going on. We were there as kids all the time. It didn't matter. We were there. And let me tell you, my sisters and I will tell you how much of an impact that makes when you get to be an adult. 
and you think back on those things. And so I'm just saying that to say I hope that it starts in our homes because that's really where it needs to start. I hope it starts in our homes, but I also hope that this church is doing our part in nurturing the future generations to come. It's not only a part of our vision here at AMC, it's what Jesus calls us to do in the Gospels. So finally, I think all of this leads us, leads us to ask ourselves one simple question. Am I telling my story? Am I talking about it? Am I finding ways to remember God's faithfulness through the mountaintop experiences and the valleys that life sometimes walks us through? Am I sharing how God and his son Jesus Christ and the holy words of scripture have sustained me, saved me, and, and changed me forever? Am I doing things that will cause future generations to know of God's love and God's truth? I sure hope we are. And we have a brand new year here in front of us to start that, if we have not. A brand new year to make it hope. And so these, these 12 stones in Joshua are an encouragement for all of us to remember uh, what verse 21 says. In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them. Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. And so let's be ready to tell about our faith in the Lord in the days ahead. Amen? Can we agree to do that? Make it a, a goal or a New Year's resolution for this, uh, for this new year. Well, the, smooth, the food is starting to smell good, so let's stand and have a word of prayer, and then Andy and Rhonda will come and lead us in our sending song this morning. <clears throat> let's pray. Lord, we thank you for all that you have done for us in this life and you continue to do. We thank you for how you have led us and, and you guide us and you sent your Holy Spirit to be that for us in this life. And Lord, I, I just, I pray, I hope that we as parents, grandparents, friends, relatives, whatever, that we are realizing the importance. Our time on this earth goes so quick and our opportunities are sometimes so few. Help us not to let those opportunities pass us by. I pray that we would make that a goal and a resolution for this year ahead. An important part of our families and our church family. Lord, we thank you for the wonderful aroma of food that we smell. And we pray that you would bless the food and the fellowship time that we have this morning. I pray over each one here that your blessing and peace would go with them this week and all of those watching online as well. May the God of peace sustain us and the God of power uh, give us strength for whatever we may face in the year that is ahead of us. And all God's people said, amen. <clears throat>